right then, welcome guys, welcome, uh, welcome for to the first ever mutant year, the year zero roundtable. I fucked it up. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, this is great. Yeah. Great start. We just... How many seconds into this are we? <laughs> we decided to try and keep it uh, non-explicit and I messed it up. <laughs> in the first, in the first seconds. 20 seconds. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Okay, great so stuff, yeah. explicit so, warning, I guess. Uh, can we edit that out something, some way? Well, hopefully no children on live. Well. <laughs> So welcome to the first ever Year Zero Roundtable. I'm Andreas Lundström. I'm the GM for Sweden Rolls. And uh, yeah, I'm a GM and a composer and an RPG fan. And with me today, I have... Uh, you got to tell which of us is going to talk first. You go, well, go, go ahead, Matthew. Okay, I'm Matthew. Uh, I'm one half of the Effect podcast with my co-host Dave. And um, yeah, we've been playing... Uh, role-playing games since I was at school and that was a very long time ago <laughs> and I'm Matt um, I am also one half of a podcast though I'm not meant to be officially representing the podcast shh, here today so um, yes we won't talk about that podcast um, I'm known as nine little bees all over the social media landscape um, and I've been playing role-playing games since 1995. I suspect a little bit Baby. later than the two of you. Um, and Actually, basically yeah. the same. Yeah. Okay. And I've, um, I'm doing podcasting as well as I've uh, started doing game design stuff. So, yeah. Been a lot, done a lot of tinkering with uh, the Free League games. In fact, my favorite system, which is why we're all here. Yes, exactly. We're all here because uh, our podcasts are more or less dedicated to, to free league games in, in different degrees. Can we say that? Without yeah. stepping on any toes there, Matt? Yeah? Ish? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, sure. Okay. <laughs> Not really, league, but yeah. Free league I, games I try, and, have I try and do it as much as possible. Free league games have occurred <laughs> yes. in our respective yes. podcasts. Yeah. Yes. And us three as people and players and GMs are huge fans of the game. Right. Yeah, I mean, the only reason our podcast exists is because of Coriolis. Uh, the, the, not the first free league game to come out in English, but the first one I bought, uh, Dave bought um, Mutant Year Zero. And so we are, we're all about free league. We did di uh, d divert a little bit to Simba Room, and we felt very guilty about that because, you know, we like shilling for free league. But then Simbaroom did the right thing, or Team Yamringen did the right thing, and merged with Free League to save us our blushes. Yeah, probably because of the effects, uh, like exactly. bringing Simbaroom into the uh, fold of it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay, we are sitting here, and we're super happy to to do this. But a little bit of, at least me, I'm guessing, to kind of you guys as well. It's a bit sad because we just got the news like an hour ago that Christopher Tolkien, the son of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien, writer of uh, Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, Silmarillion, passed away today or maybe yesterday uh, at the ripe age of 95. And uh, all Tolkien fans owe uh, almost as big a, a debt of gratitude to him as we do to... to the great professor himself, because he was responsible of, to, of editing the Silmarillion and the Unfinished Tales and, yeah, the history of Middle-earth, all of that. 
So we so should raise a glass. Yeah, let's raise a glass to Christopher <laughs> Tolkien. But uh, at least he won't uh, he won't have to live through watching the Amazon Prime series, and that's something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, silver lining, right? Yeah. Yeah, um, Matt, do you want to uh, run us through this? Um, Cav eats. What's cav eats? Caveats. Ah, yes. Yeah. So we're caveats. we're looking at a Trello um, outline of the stuff we want to talk about. <laughs> caveats. Um, caveats. I wonder who's the Swede in this in this gang. <laughs> so the caveats are just basically at the start of a at the start of the cav at the start of a of an episode. Is what we would usually do with our our Trello outline. Is if there's anything um, that we need to get out of the way. For example, if we're reviewing a book that was sent to us. Um, as a as a freebie then we would say okay just as a caveat um this book we received for free but we're still going to give an honest uh review of it blah 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 blah. so the caveats we had um i'll go through them since i'm talking about them anyway um swearing which we've uh which we can just throw out we're the window proved. we were gonna say we're gonna try and we're gonna try and keep this clean and you know rated <laughs> uh rated g but um our you know Let's still we're still gonna try and keep it clean. So yeah, um, yeah, let's yeah, let's I'm not sure how we'll we'll see about if I can edit out the um the F bomb with like a big sensor sticker or something afterwards. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, um, anyway. Um the other thing to mention is to do with um the stream quality. So if uh, if any of you notice that the stream like the stream is dropping off or the quality's not great, first of all, apologies. I'm I'm doing all the streaming stuff in the background. I live in rural Germany and I don't have a great internet connection, um, but it seems to be working. So apologies if it is a little bit patchy at times. Apologies if my internet um, drops out and we'll get up as, up and running as soon as that ha again as, if that happens. Um, but just to make you aware, please um, stand by if we haven't closed the show and. Uh, yeah, if we're if if we can't get it back online for some reason, then um, we'll we'll mention that in chat and we'll record ourselves just on audio and release it as a podcast somewhere later. Um, yeah, so this is our this is our first time live streaming. I think for all uh, for the well, my first time running a, a live stream. Um, I don't think I've been in a live stream. Matthew, you've been in a live stream, haven't you? Yeah, but I've been a, a pure victim of uh, Doug at Victory Condition Gaming. There, he runs it all. I'm sure. I'm not doing anything with that. I just turn up on the time, or maybe five or ten minutes after the time we started. In the <laughs> case of the last time that we were here, so um, so yeah, this is all okay. new to us. And um, I've got to say, Dave uh, is on an alien Discord, and a lot of people there are saying, "Oh, why don't you guys at effect live stream?" And obviously Dave is too ugly, which is why I'm doing this. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, we're going to have to learn about this, I think. And uh, maybe we'll do some of our own as well. Yeah. yeah. I'm a yeah. live stream virgin completely. I have and I'm a Same. tech idiot as well. So <laughs> I'm so happy that Matt and I want to give it like like kudos to, to you, Matt, for, for setting up the graphics and setting up this whole thing. It's uh, I'm not it's sure if this would be possible, even if it weren't for you, you know, like. So it's really thank you for that. Oh, I nearly forgot the ambient background music that uh, you create, especially should be coming in right about now. We can't hear it, unfortunately. <laughs> so if you, if there's um, some ambient, hopefully there's some ambient running quietly in the background right now. If it's too loud, please say something. If it's too quiet, please say something, and we'll um, we'll adjust as needed. Yeah. So. Anyway. We try to have a short jingle with a bit more like energy to it in the beginning as well, but 
that's something we'll have to add in the podcast versions or something. We thought we thought maybe swearing as an intro would be better. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Dave, by the way, isn't on the um, on the uh, YouTube chat, but he has just messaged me. Um, I don't think he likes to be called him badly, so he's not that ugly <laughs> at all. <laughs> That's all right, good. I think that's, that's caveats good. out of the way. <laughs> good. Caveats. Caveats. Cool. Great, great. And uh, you guys watching, chat chat away and, and comment and all that. And we have promised that, that we will we will sell, save some time in the end for, for live streaming questions. If you have yeah. well, like one or two. We have some prepared for, from, from earlier, but uh, we would like some to give you guys some kind of reward for for watching live as well. So, uh, yeah, maybe we should... Um... Uh, one quick thing, I guess, housekeeping-wise. Um, we're planning on this being roughly somewhere between one and one and a half hours long. Um, but you don't have to listen for all that time. You don't, of course. Um, and we will be, broadca- we'll be, we'll be actually publishing this as a standard YouTube video after the live event. I'm recording it right now. That'll go up. If it doesn't... I don't know how YouTube Live works exactly. It's my first time using it. If it doesn't go up automatically, then... I'll have a, a video file which I can upload afterwards. So that'll all be handled. Um, that'll all happen if you have to jump away or anything. Don't worry, you won't miss it. Um, but yeah, hour mm. to an hour and a half. Uh, we'll try and stick to that. I know um, Matthew's already Matthew's already said that if I'm in charge of the time because my my podcast, which shall remain unnamed, um, tends to go <laughs> significantly over an hour and a half. Um, but yeah, I'm keeping an eye on it. So uh, yeah. So we're sticking to we an hour and a half. We'll, yeah, we'll stick to that. We'll try. We'll try cool yeah so um are we satisfied with the with the introductions should we like yep. m- mention in some fact more in chat about... uh, phil has just said um my missus wants Get to know why it. it has not started yet <laughs> <laughs> yeah so okay i guess we need to get yeah. started right get on with it should, should we yeah. should we start with a real hot topic like which freely game is our favorite sure. yes we because shall because that's really uh that's uh and if yeah. people go to our, our website, uh, no, if we, they go to our Facebook page, they'll see which is our favourite. Ah, well, which is my favourite. My favourite is Coriolis. And why is that? I love Coriolis. And we were the Coriolis effect before uh, Freely brought out too many games that weren't Coriolis for us to cover. Um, <laughs> uh, the But our other favourite, I must admit, about a year ago... Uh, Free League were very mysterious with us and they said um, we've got some news uh, and we'd like to do a thing with you but you have to sign an NDA first and um, so we signed our NDA and then Dave and I sat there wondering what it was we guessed it must be somebody else's property if their NDAs are in the the running and when I got the email and saw it was alien I knew Dave would be jumping up and down because I think there are two <laughs> things he would have hoped for. One was Alien, one was The Thing, and uh, it was Alien. So uh, Alien might be Dave's favourite game, uh, I have to say. I'm going to make him play Coriolis, but, but Alien, I think, might be his favourite of the, of the Free League library. And why Coriolis for you? Like... Well, that's really interesting because um, Dave again. So Dave had been playing Mutant Year Zero. He buys just about every post-apocalyptic game that comes out, um, and I didn't. 
play it with him because we we're old school friends. Uh, we get together occasionally, but this was one he was running with a home group, and he really liked that. And then when they kickstarted Coriolis, he urged me to buy it at his wedding. It was more important to him than his wife uh, that I should buy the game. <laughs> and uh, you've got to get and, another text now. Hopefully yeah, I'll probably she's not watching. <laughs> Uh, Dave has sent me another text down. He just wants to say that, of course, we co-wrote the Hope's Last Day adventure in the Alien book, which is obviously why, really, it's both of our favourites. And um, he did the Xenomorphs as well. He created, he started up the Xenomorphs and did all their attacks. So uh, he feels, I think, uh, part ownership of that game. Um, but yeah, for, for Coriolis, what got me... First of all, I was very sceptical about reading this new system. And I sat there going, I'm not sure I'm going to enjoy this. Uh, but enjoy it, I did. And there were some key things. Um, the combat system and the use of extra successes to do stunts. I recognised it just on reading it. It would be really quick. And yet it would be quite descriptive and narrative. And you'd be able to, you're not just hitting somebody until their hit points go down. So that was a big thing for me. But the culture as well, and I hadn't particularly... I'm a big Firefly fan, and it says uh, Arabian Nights and Firefly. But I didn't really pick up on the Firefly, but that culture, and particularly... And Matt, we were having a discussion about this on uh, Facebook earlier today. Prayer. This was a big thing for me. So for those of you out there in the world who, who don't play Coriolis... The push mechanic in Coriolis is pray, and you pray to the gods when you want to be sure of success. You can also, before you're having, say, a fight, go to the chapel and pray. And there's a cost for the actual act of prayer. It's one darkness point. But if you do preparatory prayer, there's also a benefit in that you get one, or if you do it in a chapel, two extra dice on the pushed re-roll. And so... I love that system because, uh, as I was explaining to you, Matt, we've played Pendragon for 30 years. Never once have our players been to church and we're meant to be pious knights. <laughs> In this game, you know, as soon as, as, soon as any scent of um, the doo-doo hitting the fan, then these guys will go to a chapel, they'll seek out a chapel and make sure they're praying, either, either to the dancer if it's going to be fisticuffs or, or to the judge if it's going to be shooting. And, and it's great, just the, the fact that we actually have real religion, gods that can actually change the world, that answer your prayers, is, is fabulous. So I think those are the real reasons why I love Coriolis. You want to go next, Matt? <laughs> sure. Coriolis for me as well, actually. Um, for different reasons. Um, I, When I was a teenager, my family moved to Pakistan, um, and I lived there for four years. So um, my my like late teenage years were living in this, um, you know, um, Muslim country with Arabic script and everything. Um, I learned two languages out there, um, immersed myself into the culture, and that was a big part of my childhood. So Coriolis instantly hit me right in the right in my kind of nostalgia sweet spot and for me that everything else about it um i love the the changes made to mutant year zero in terms of mechanics i like that it was one um although i like the mutant year zero dice mechanic with having three different pools 
Um, I like that Coriolis was just one pool of dice. Um, I really like how the darkness points worked. Um, I liked the prayer mechanic behind pushing. Up. The, the discussion we were having before was about the um, preparing prayer in advance, which um, when, I, when I ran my campaign, I never reminded the, my players that that was a thing they could do. Because to me, it feels a little bit um, like they're kind of gaming the system. And I was happy enough with praying, with the praying being part of the push mechanic. But anyway, um, so many things about the game I really liked. Very, very rich setting, of course. Um, I love this how sandboxy it was, yet at the same time had all this really rich um, setting material. Um, my first game, role-playing game I ever played was uh, West End Games' Star Wars back in the, in the 90s. Mm. So for me, like sci-fi role-playing was the first, is how I got into role-playing. I didn't get into a D&D or anything like that. Um, so the fact that it was sci-fi for me also is like a big draw. I'm, I'm a big sci-fi and fantasy nerd, but I don't know. Coriolis just ticked all the right boxes for me. Um, so yeah. However, um, Vazen, or however you pronounce it in Swedish, um, I'm Vasen. pronouncing it with a... S- Vazen, okay. I'm pronouncing it like I see it in German, but... Yeah. Vazen, yeah. Um, Vazen is probably going to be my favorite. Um, mechanically, certainly, it takes... Like I've uh, one of the things I've been working on in my own project is Year Zero Mini, which is taking um, uh, Tales from the Loop, the core mechanic there, and kind of giving it a little bit of a tweak. And a lot of the stuff that we're seeing in in um, Vasen is basically very similar to what I'm doing. And in fact, I haven't released my 1.0 version of of Year Zero Mini yet, and I'm finding that I'm making tweaks based on Vasen to uh, Vasen. Is that right? Got it. My head is Vasen. No. I'm gonna say Vasen. That's I'm gonna better. Be, be... Vasen is better than Vasen. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I'm basically making tweaks to kind of make it more or less aligned with it. So I like mechanically, I think it's my it's going to be my favorite game. I haven't run it or played it yet, so that's why I'm kind of caveating that slightly. Um, I also really, really like the aspect of it being this sort of um, myth mythical past. I'm my other big project is Nord Saga, which is a Forbidden Lands alternate setting um, based on what if the Vikings uh, received supernatural help and overthrew the Christians back in the like the 10th century. Um, so for me, like if I am ever creating my own settings, they're always in our own world. They're always alternate history or mythological settings. So um, Vazen basically takes that box for me. Um, I love the Victorian angle. I love that it's set in Scandinavia. Um, and I love the monster hunting elements of it as well. Although it's not, and I love the fact that it's not, you're not meant to kill the monsters. You're meant to find out what their weaknesses are. It's just everything about it is perfect in my, in my head. So on paper, um, so, and they even did things like they've taken, like, Tales from the Loop is player-facing. That means, you know, the GM never rolls dice. Um, Vazen isn't, but it, they know, it's got combat tacked on, which is similar to the combat we've seen in other Year Zero games. Um, I don't know. So, for me, currently, Coriolis is, is my number one spot, um, and Vazen will, will potentially knock it slightly off that pedestal. And I love all the other games I've run, and I've played every other game that, um, that has been made by Free League, um, other than Simbroom. I actually have runs, uh, played Simbroom once. Although we're not mentioning, we're not mentioning that anymore. We can mention Simbroom. <laughs> we can mention <laughs> it. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've, I, like, I've had experience with all the games and... Uh, Published in yeah. English. Published in English, Oh, yeah. yes. <laughs> not Svelhinter, or however it's, how it's pronounced. <laughs> I've read the quick start, it looks good. Yeah. It's yeah. also the, anyway, the game so of More Whale as well. Which was one of the first ones. To okay. Do. Yeah. And uh, there's um, there's a there's a mutant mutant Hindenburg, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, yeah, one exactly. Of those? Yeah, yeah. We're not yeah. going to see that one in a, a something like Octoberland yeah. or something. 
Oh yeah, the October Gorgeous. Land as well. Yeah, exactly. Gorgeous design on that one. Mm. I'd really love to see that in English, but mm. Thomas has said no, never. So uh, <laughs> that's not going to happen. Okay. <laughs> and I thought that uh, this was going to be a real hot potato, like choosing the the favorite freely game. But my answer is also Coriolis. <laughs> oh yay! <laughs> <laughs> Which is basically out of the games published in English. It was the the one I played or GM'd uh, last, actually. But it was one that was always there, and I didn't have a group for it. And I I was so into the setting. I loved the the feeling of the game, and I also loved that the, I mean the push mechanic of the Year Zero engine. I think works at its best in because the darkness points is really as a GM you can do so much fun with the darkness points, and and it's I, I really really like that and um, and as you said Matt the, the the rich setting with all the the factions and yeah it's, yeah and the and the history it's really yeah it's uh, unfortunately I have to say now uh, my favorite as well. Um, but I'm also really unfortunately now since you <laughs> guys you saw, because because you guys saw it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, well, tell you I mean, what, let I me mean, play devil's the, advocate. I mean, of course, the 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 Forbidden Lands is the the game that my podcast is is uh, it's really dedicated to. I really love that game. I love the setting that Eric Grandstrom has has created. It's it's really fun. I love his take on the the goblins and the halflings and mm. and like the history with the orcs and and elves and dwarves. It's it's I really like that as well. Um, but okay, let me say one thing that I dislike about the the, the Coriolis rules. Then, yeah, which is actually that um, in all I think or most other games that you, I mean, the fact that if you have strength five and you go down to strength two, then you only have two dice to roll. Yeah, that's really a huge advantage against other games where you still wield your sword with the same vigor even if you're down to one hit point out of 89 in yeah. D&D. Yeah. Um, but here it's you still have the same dice pool. Uh, that's, uh, sure. Mm. Yeah, it's not this, It's not quite in all the games. So in a lot of the games, uh, as you take damage, you are less effective. But in Alien, that's not the case, mm. um, even think, though it's based on your strength stat. I think with Coriolis, That's not the thing that I dislike about it the most, though. Matt. The thing with the thing with Coriolis and the hit point thing, um, which at first I also wasn't that thrilled about, is that it has those. Um, you can get a critical on any on any yes. attack, mm. and mm. that kind of balances out. Whereas all the other ones, obviously, you only get a critical when you're broken. When yeah. you're broken. Um, and that makes Coriolis actually really exciting in combat because you're you know if you're constantly going to be getting like every time you roll that those dice if you get enough successes and you're potentially going to get a critical and the same thing happens with the enemies um, mm. so. Yeah, I, I yeah. kind of like I kind of like how that kind of addresses that that little um, kind of gameplay loop there. That's absolutely yeah, it's hit points. Yeah, it's it good, feels good familiar thing. to a lot of people, which is also a bit of a draw. Um, it's not quite as dynamic, sure, as Mutant Year Zero, Forbidden Lands, or even Tales um, Tales from the Loop and Vazen, where you have conditions which reduce your dice pool. Um, but those criticals are a real danger, and they're very exciting. I think. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So that's not. If we let's let's diss Coriolis for a little while though, because <laughs> yeah. there are a few things that um, I have problems with. Yeah. Not strangely, the hit point thing. I can live with that. It adds a bit of pulpiness to it, a little bit of invulnerability. But as you say, Matt, you've also got those deadly criticals at any moment. Um, so that's not a problem for me. But there's one thing. You know, we've got more skills in 
Coriolis, and they're not evenly distributed among the stats. So in oh Coriolis, boy. you want to front load <laughs> your wits because then you're going to be better at more things. So that's a, a little bit of a problem for me. Um, not, you know, it's not a game breaker, but I wonder whether it's a symptom of Coriolis being the first adaptation of Year Zero. And maybe I, with practice, have they become more disciplined in, in thinking about how they do it? I, I kind of feel the opposite. I kind of hope that more games would have, um, wouldn't be kind of, uh, what's the right term here? Married to the idea of, you know, a certain number of, even number of skills mm, to the mm, attributes. Because yeah. I'm like, my, my podcast started with uh, Warhammer uh, Fantasy Roleplay. <laughs> that was our big starting, starting point. And that, like any kind of D100 based system, just has a massive list of skills. And they kind of, to me, that. I like that. I like that there's the right number of skills for the game, and the skill list has been carefully thought through that anything you might need to do in the game has been, has been there. And some of the Year Zero games, um, mainly I've, I've noticed this mostly with um, Forbidden Lands, feels like it's quite noticeable that some of the... Mainly because I also played it during beta, or ran it during beta, and we saw a little bit of changes with how the skills were being um, kind of distributed. Um, it felt... Some of the decisions with like how heal is attached to empathy, etc., just kind of felt like they were there to make the numbers stack up. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that bothers me more than having an uneven distribution of, of skills. I was going to say personally. exactly the same, actually. That, that like squeezing uh, skills into attributes just to, to, to have a balance uh, gives less pleasure for me when I, when I play the game. And it's the same with, uh, with um, like my, my all-time favorite RPG game of all genres, all kinds, is, is The One Ring. And they also have this that every yeah. every yeah. skill belongs to an attribute, in this yeah. li- like way. And then also like uh, experience wise, you have they're grouped in this way as well. Yeah. And it, the skill it, groupings. It, yeah, it feels a bit squeezed into there. And some some of the skills are like, uh, mm. <coughs> so I would rather prefer an, an uneven amount of, of skills or or of course, um, yeah. So that's, uh... What about the number of skills? Because Coriolis has got 16, all the rest have 12, which makes your skill base, each skill is quite broad. Mm. And, I, I, like big, uh, I like big lists of skills. I would have liked Forbidden Lands to have had 16, because I think they could have probably made it um, line up a little bit um, better, in my, in my opinion. Um, they would have had, it would have felt a little bit contrived, potentially, with trying to squeeze like another strength-based skill in there. Um, wits, wits always is going to have more because it's knowledge based and, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. For me, yeah. like, um, I some of the stuff I've been uh, my own kind of uh, hacks of the Year Zero engine. Um, I think when you when you play around with the names of the attributes, it like with bearing in mind like trying to line up an even number of skills, um, it makes it a little bit easier. Uh, for example, um, one of the one of the ones that I did in playtesting um, had replaced strength and agility with fitness and um, dexterity. So fitness was your strength, your speed. Like it was also Victorian, so it wasn't such like fantasy that sort of thing. So it's more like what's your general fitness like, and that that could encompass things that would potentially normally be covered by an agility type of role, mm. like move, for example. Yeah. Move would fall under fitness. And dexterity is your hand-eye coordination, and that would cover things like um, if you're trying to do like mechanical type of repairs, or you're trying to do some um, uh, like 
thievery type things. Uh, if you're trying to use ballistics, so like trying to aim up a shot, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, and that that seemed a, a lot better because if, for me, the, the the strength and the agility things always is where it started falling down. Because wits, it was always you always had too many skills to put into wits. Yes. And how do you break them up? How do you how do you swallow them up into a small number? And how do you kind of parcel the ones you absolutely have to have? But you can't, like heal, for example. Where do you put that? We'll put it with empathy. We'll come up with a reason for why it fits there, because it's a better fit there than any than any of these other skills. Um, so, I, I kind of would like to see uh, free league in future break free of the strength, agility, wits, empathy um, um, pattern. Yes, I mean they have. To, I mean they do in in things like they uh, have started with like Vazen, for example, has yeah. done that, hasn't it? Um, and I don't know if that's because Vazen is based on Tales from the Loop, which also breaks that that pattern. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Um, and whether we'll see that in future products, whether they're going to go back to strength, agility, wit, empathy. Um, mm. But I think I think it, by just kind of shaking that the, the attribute names up a little bit, it gives you a little bit more freedom to to kind of get that that balance a little bit better. Mm. Definitely, we've uh, Dave and I are working on a, a Western game, a non weird West Western game where it's people versus people um and instead of strength and we've got uh, grit and instead of um uh, well we're having a bit of an argument dave and i about whether it should be called dexterity or not i i want to call it dexterity so i agree with you matt um but yeah quickness uh, or something like that um and again looking at manual dexterity really rather yeah. than physical dexterity mm -hmm. uh we've already gone for half an hour and we're all on the first question <laughs> right, so i the first question I, let's I, I suggest we're, we're saving questions we, for episode two aren't I, we? i'm suggesting that we uh <laughs> we table this and we we get okay. back to like uh, tweaking systems of our own uh to a future round table in a future cast, yeah yeah what about that yeah, Sounds good. Uh, our respective GM styles and long, uh, like, uh, is that something we can talk briefly about? Would that be interesting for, for folks to <laughs> can hear? Can we talk briefly, you're asking? Yeah. Yeah, we, can, I, we, can try, we can try briefly, I guess. Yeah. Why don't you kick us off? We got 90 seconds. With, uh, you got 90 seconds this. each. <laughs> Show us how it's done. I can start. I can start. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I, I, I wish I was a big prepper. I'm not. Uh, I'm, I, I'm a big improviser. Uh, I don't prep a lot, uh, except for the podcast. I prep quite a bit, and uh, usually, because the podcast G Andreas GM is very different from the the uh, like home game Andreas GM, because uh, my home game style is very low prep, very sandboxy, while the uh, the uh, podcast GM is very railroady, very high prep. Uh, so I try, and I think I think actually think that the more you try to dif differentiate your GM style, you'll get better at at, at everything about GMing. I think uh, I also put a lot of effort into trying to make the NPCs be credible, like a credible character. It could be a character that's very far out there, that's very extreme, but still a, a, like a like a character. That not all the NPCs are the same. I try to do voices. I try to do quirks. I try to do stuff like a. I did an NPC in, in the Bitter Reach where uh, a um, a peddler was giggling all the time. Just like little details like that. Time. How did I do? <laughs> I, I think you did okay. What was I? Uh, was I within the uh, limit? 
I wasn't counting. Yeah. Sure. You didn't set the timer. There you go. Oh. You said, Matt, that you'd be in charge of the time. But, but <laughs> this is just this is why the podcast that shall be unnamed goes on and on and on. If you're not careful, I'm going to time you right now. <laughs> <laughs> okay, then. Tommy, I am so late. So there's um, there's a big difference between our actual plays uh, and Andreas in that we're not doing our actual plays for entertainment. We're simply recording our home games. So you get the same me when I'm GMing an actual play as you do when I'm at home because it is the home game. And... It is very low prep. Uh, I I think the GM is as much of a player as all the players, so I like them to be reactive. I paint my NPCs with some motivations. I put some details in places. I make the rest up on the fly. I'm done. Matt, Oof. beat that. Wow. That was impressive. <laughs> I am a traditionally high prep um, junkie who is trying to be as improv as possible. Yeah, you um, beat we that. do a lot of. <laughs> I'll expand a bit, just so I'm not I'm not the shortest one. I don't want to ruin my reputation of being a windbag. <laughs> um, oh, we've, done, we've done quite a few GMing uh, discussions and camp, like um, how to do sandbox sort of stuff on on, on my podcast. Um, but for me, breaking free from pre-published adventures. And discovering the joy of sandbox low prep GMing has been a life changer in how I've and how I GM. Um, I still do prep up front, but all my prep is at the beginning of a campaign, get, setting up things like factions and um, locations and NPCs, those sorts of things. So making the world kind of a living place, so that when my players do whatever the hell they want to do, oops, sorry, slight swearing there. <laughs> um, they basically can kind of go wherever they want. They can do whatever they do, and I'm. I can just improv and go with it. And it's been really easy to do. Um, and it really has been, just been amazing because I don't I don't have the stress of have I prepped enough? Has the stuff that I've prepped, is it not going to be used? That just never comes mm. into play. So Sounds like Forbidden Lands yeah. would like help you really yeah, help the, the, you with that. In fact, Mutant Year you know. Zero is is really redefined um how I GM'd. When I saw, when I when I bought that game um and I ran it for the first time, I was blown away because it gave you like it was written to give you the like advice and the tools you needed to run a proper sandbox and forbidden lands of course is exactly the same just more refined and that was that was life changer for me and from that from there i started looking at um other kind of gming books that would or you know blog articles that sort of stuff um looking for more advice on how to do this with other games and yeah and that's one of the big draws for the year zero games generally is that they are sandboxy coriolis the second one that came out of course is a massive sandbox tales from loop the third one um like you could set it wherever you wanted um it also was like there's mysteries happening but there it's kind of sandboxy as well so it's kind of it was interesting to see how mysteries were brought into the sandbox and then and of course we had got forbidden lands after that which is also a huge sandbox so um yeah I, that's that's me I'll stop. Right. <laughs> well over 90 seconds. <laughs> well, all a man has is his reputation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Okay, I think we've, we've actually brushed a little bit on, on uh, comparing the different rule systems. So maybe we could expand on that on a future episode and do some stuff that we haven't talked about at all. How about that? Uh, we could do yes. All right. Is that what are you thinking? No, I'm thinking maybe we could discuss what we would want to see from the free league in the future. Mm. Well, I've got to say, there's one thing that I wanted to see, 
uh, which I know is definitely not going to happen because somebody else just got the license. Oh. Uh, and that is a, a great series of detective stories uh, by Ben Aronovich, set in London, very much of the place as you read the book, if you know London, like I do. Uh, there's one moment I have to recount where our, our hero and his boss are travelling down a road and I said to myself, I know exactly where they're going. I know the exact tree they're going to visit and I know where it is. I work for the National Trust in my day job and it's one of our trees, actually. So um, <laughs> I, I, I knew it really well. But they, they were still on the, the A40 but when I realised where they were going. And I just love that about the books. And they're, uh, So they're called in English the Rivers of London series um, and they're about a magic cop um, or more than one magic cop are dealing with magic crimes and I really hoped that we could bring that to the year zero system but Ben Aronovich is a huge fan of RuneQuest and uh, he's just done a deal with Chaosium yep alright so, so um, Matt what do you want I, I want less licenses I want more um, it feels to me like Free League have their hands tied when it comes to licenses, and there's decisions that have to be made where the license holder is is kind of pulling some strings in the background, and they're very, you know, um, diplomatic about the whole thing, and assure you know are always assuring that it's not the case, and there there's always a good working relationship and everything. But for me, I I, I really. I really want to see more kind of original stuff. And the thing that I, I, I've never played a cyberpunk game, um, mainly because none of the systems that are out there really like pull at me. Um, but I love cyberpunk fiction. I love cyberpunk films. Um, like I just love cyberpunk and I would love to see a kind of a cyberpunk game, um, done by free league with the year zero engine. And in fact, every time there's a tease about, um, a new system that's going to be announced, (laughs) Over on Discord at the Year Zero server, it goes crazy with the amount of people saying, it's got to be cyberpunk this time. It's got to be cyberpunk this time. And um, it, it never, never is. is. So, like, I would love to see that personally. Um, I I kind of have toyed with the idea of, of kind of making one myself. But the you have to, you have to put so much... Um, attention into the gear for a cyberpunk game and i just mm. that doesn't interest me so much the gear side of of um game mm. design so i'd have to bring somebody else in to do the gear or something and it's just like oh that's just kind of i'll let somebody else do it because somebody will do it now that we've got the ogl um or free league will do it themselves mm. and uh yeah but there's like people are really calling out for it i would love to see it i would be playing that game in an instant um so yeah mm. The, that's, um, that's, that's what I would love to see in future. One of the other big Swedish publishers, uh, Helmgast, who, who recently got very much praise for their Call of Divinity Lost uh, game, just reali- uh, released a uh, yeah. the, the latest version of Neotech, yeah. but only in Swedish. Uh, so a lot of the people I, are hoping for an English translation. Uh, I actually... This isn't really free league, is it? But um, when I was um, I was working at the on the free league booth at Spiel Essen here in Germany this year, and um, one of the evenings we went out and had had drinks with the um, Helmgas guys who were working on Neotech, and I was I was basically interrogating them about how does your system work? Is it going to come to the? Is it going to be translated to English? And um, they are they are they want to bring it to English. It's just a, it's kind of. Apparently in Neotech, there's a lot of slang that is kind of really hard to translate. Um, so there are some issues with it not being super easy to translate into English, but they're 
they're kind of it sounds like they're kind of committed to do it although i can't say that officially of course mm-hmm. um yeah that sounds really cool yeah. uh, because that's also like that's kind of like more like neo um, cyberpunk it's not written from the kind of traditional william gibson based in the kind of late 80s early 90s what what does the future look like mm. it's based on right now everything was wireless there's dr- there are drones mm. everywhere and it feels like what we would see right now if we if if someone was to write a cyberpunk um novel mm. which is just based 20 or 30 years in our future it's it feels right it's taking our current um you know technology and setting it forward mm. and i really like that and i would kind of hope if free league although if free league wanted to do something they might need to differentiate themselves from from helm a little bit so maybe they would go I, yeah back but i mean uh, i don't model. think I don't there's know. a hindrance with with uh, helm releasing uh, neotech because i mean we, we're getting a call of cthulhu game and uh, yes. we, everybody's yeah. got a Call and of Cthulhu. We, we recently had a Kickstarter for a Swedish translation of the seventh edition Call of Cthulhu, and they've just—I mean, there's a there's been a huge amount of Swedish horror games. Uh, horror games was the biggest like genre in Swedish RPGs yeah. last year, and they're still not finished because obviously I think it was a a Kickstarter Kickstarter level. The, to make goal. a stretch goal for for the for the yeah. Call of Cthulhu um, um, RPG, but not the Call of Cthulhu. Yeah, the book. Yeah, the art book. Yeah, the art book. Like yeah, the art book. And that was a, a stretch goal for the art book to like, okay, if we reach this high, we gotta make an RPG yeah. out of it. Much as Forbidden Lands was a stretch goal for the uh, Nisagulikson uh, art book, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and it's um, yeah. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think we could get a cyberpunk game in the future. And but I'm 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 with you, Matt. There on on uh, like less IPs and more more campaigns. And yeah. I think it's a it's it's a very old truth, but it's 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 it is a truth that what sells the most. It's always a core box or the core rulebook. Everything mm-hmm. else that you produce. It's gonna sell less than that, so you earn, yeah. you you, yeah. you make more money from making new games than you do from yeah. from selling sure. selling uh, supplements to to games you already have. But I mean, there's there's gotta be a limit somewhere as well, you know. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be somewhere you gotta reach a point that okay, we have 38 games. Do yes. we need a 39th, or should we write stuff for the things we have? So yeah, I in a way, what I'd really want from Free League in the future I know what you want focus. from Free League. I know very well what you want from Free League. <laughs> <laughs> you want Mercy of the Icons. Uh, yeah, well, Mercy of the Icons. Yeah, that would be good. And uh, yeah, uh, so it's interesting because we've got um, the team Yarnringen have churned out supplements for Simba Room like a sausage machine, chunk, chunk, chunk. You know. Every few months, there's a new Kickstarter. There's a new supplement, and these aren't you know these aren't trashy. They're they're good work. Oh they yeah, build oh, the story yeah, oh, forward. Yeah. They're you know brilliant Martin Grip artwork. Uh, and meanwhile, poor old Coriolis languishes there with one, <laughs> one expansion. Mm. Um, so I'd really like to see more of uh, more focus on what they've already got, mm. rather than new ranges. Mm. But, we can't, but you're right. Can't, you know, I buy all the new ranges. I wouldn't buy, you know, yeah. the, the other stuff. I think we can't. I we can't it. obviously speculate on business decisions and stuff. But um, yeah, I wonder if they may have gotten themselves into a position where they they kind of because of like maybe staff sizes and stuff they they kind of need that income from the newer games. Um, I would agree. I, I think if they can slow the pace down a little, um, there's aliens just come out. We just received the Vazen, um beta. Um, 
like a few weeks ago. I haven't had a chance to look at either Alien or Vazen because there's so much other stuff I'm trying to catch up with. And unless I'm running it, like, you know, soon, uh, there's no, like, it just is going to have to, like, it's 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 kind of being added to my next-to-read pile. Yeah, um, it's amazing because... Main, I... That kind of tends to happen with most free league games because they're, they, they churn out so much stuff so often. Um, so yeah, slowing the pace would be kind of nice for me as a consumer. Yeah. Also, the amount of money that I'm spending on on their products. Mm. Um, I keep telling my wife like it's only going to be one or two this year. Yeah. It's like uh, four or five again. <laughs> yeah, I I, yeah. I I totally agree with you there, Matt. Because I'm the same. And being a father of four, it's it's hard to get the time to read. I also wrote uh, signed an NDA for the Alien RPG back in February. Uh, of last year and we were gonna do some kind of uh, AP podcasting or or streaming of it or something like that and I I'm yet I have still haven't read it I haven't like, opened it. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's uh, yeah it's embarrassing but yeah. but here I am I mean it's it's um, I run two podcasts I have four kids I have a day job I I'm I have commissions for three soundtracks it's I mean it's it's um, yeah just yeah, it's on a uh, need-to-know basis. Like, I read what yeah. I need to know, nothing more. I read what I really have to <laughs> to to run the games. But hopefully... Well, you see, my life has been alien for the last year, pretty much, because we were running it at UK uh, Games Expo and, and doing a lot of other stuff for it. And and actually, it's made it's just made me want to play Coriolis Spore. I'm I'm done with it mm-hmm. now personally. Dave isn't. Yeah. Now obviously it's definitely Dave, one of Dave's favourite games, and he's running a campaign at home uh, that um, we ought to talk about on our podcast actually. But uh, but yeah, I want to get back to Coriolis, and I want Free League to get back to Coriolis and give me what I want. <laughs> okay, you've got all the sandbox tools at your fingertips. You don't need the you don't need the official expansion. Don't I like the mercy of the icons. I, li- I like the pictures. I like the books. I like to have them in my hand. One one thing that has always struck me is that you could easily run a cyberpunk game in Coriolis because of mm. the factions. Um, oh, yeah, there are oh, some yeah. basically mega corporation factions. Just mm. don't let the players start with a ship. Put them on a planet. Have them in a typical kind of um, you know down on their luck group of anarchists or something who are not happy with the status quo and they need to break free and eventually like maybe after four or five sessions they get a ship and they are able to then then like the normal campaign starts mm. but you could really easily do something like that like Coriolis is, it's the sandbox is incredible it's yeah. absolutely mm. you can do so much in it mm. if you look at the um, the novel or the novella uh, not the one that they did as part of the Kickstarter but the original one that was published under Jan Ringen's Coriolis version that is you know, it's full of it's a crime novel with a, a proxy ring in it. It's it is a cyberpunk yep. novel, basically. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It feels like yeah, I've I've read that novel as well, and it felt like, you know, it could be in the same universe as um, Altered Carbon, for example. Like yeah. very, very, I don't know. It just it just like there's all of the themes kind of slot in really nicely. Um, Phil's just said in the chat that he's hoping that with uh, Yarn Ring and joining. Uh, Free League and with uh, Free League having purchased the, the license for uh, for Coriolis from um, Paradox, that it'll get a new lease of life. And I, I think, I suspect that that was a big decision behind them spending the money and, and buying the license. Um, yeah. Of course, so yeah, they wouldn't spend the money if, if they weren't planning yeah. on releasing bunches. Sure. But part two and part three are on the way. We have, we have gotten that confirmed yeah. from, from the guys writing it. So, so I mean, it's, it's on its way. 
just yeah. plugged my podcast here. We're interviewing them tomorrow uh, about the future Coriolis. That's so good. this weekend, everybody will know what they've got in their plans. <laughs> good, good. Uh, so should we maybe move on to another question? Uh, maybe the uh, how do we think the forbidden uh, the free league games fit the AP podcast format? Is the hmm. Mutant Year Zero engine uh, the best or one of the best or doesn't it really suit the actual play format? You ought to go with this first. You're the, you're you're our key APGM second <laughs> favorite. AP podcast of the recent uh, N-World voting. So yeah. tell us, what do you think? <laughs> and, you know, I've, interestingly, I have listened actually to you, your cult APs all the way through, mm -hmm. and I haven't yet finished any of your Free League games. So that might say something Interesting. About it. I have no idea what it says about it, but... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I think it fits well. I think it fits very well because the, the, the battles are quite short and that's that's mm -hmm. a must for, for me at least. I, I I abhor these like two hour long battles of D D or Pathfinder podcasts. It's really it's it doesn't tickle me anywhere at all. Uh, so so for me they work very very well because they're also uh, the worlds are very well built. The settings are, are great. <coughs> you have the Forbidden Lands uh, fantasy setting, but there are so many quirks and so many uh, stuff that aren't typical fantasy that it makes it very interesting. Um, so it's it's really it's not the best. I, I I really prefer Powered by the Apocalypse when it comes to podcasts, at least. Which is what Cult is. Yeah, exactly. Cult of the yeah. Lost is one, yeah. and and my I have a Swedish podcast, Swedish language podcast called Tanning and Kastad, which is Alia uh, Jaktaest, uh, the Dias Cast, uh, in Swedish, and and our main campaign now is Monster of the Week, which oh, yeah. is a a Powered by the Apocalypse game, and actually. Um, a little reward here for you guys listening. Uh, <laughs> I've taken every single monster in that campaign from the Vazen art book. <laughs> so when, when I got the news that Vazen wow. was getting turned into an RPG, I was like, wait a second, I have to talk to you on Acast. I have to talk to you on Acast about this because this is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, I'm but doing that's it. really that's really that's my favorite uh, rule system for a podcast because it's so fast and every dice roll you you make has a consequence. I know it's been said about the free league games that it's that way there as well. I haven't been able to implement it really in that way. I've had a, a loads of yeah. dice rolls where where it's like, oh, you failed, too bad. Yeah. You'll have to do something else. In, in in cult or in monster of the week, something always happens. Something always happens. As soon as you roll the dice, something happens, and that and that's really something that that's really narratively. It gives me so much narrative as a GM to to expand the story and to push the story forward. But I do think that free league games are coming in good second among the games that I've played thus far. Because they they fit the actual play podcast very well. That's my five cents. What about you, Matt? Um, I'm not sure there is a perfect system. Um, I have to agree with Andreas that the 
you know, long tactical combat is a terrible fit for the podcast format. Um, it might work on more like a visual actual play where you can people can see like battle maps and stuff. It turns me off anyway, regardless. Um, so definitely having having deadly combat like deadlier systems or systems that that resolve combat in like a single role or a couple of roles naturally always going to be a better fit because when you're focusing on the story it doesn't get bogged down by this weird mini game where oh the, the guns or the knives come out now we're gonna we're gonna stop the narrative while we play this mini game for two hours mm. um which of course is hard for people who aren't involved to to listen to um, it's often hard for players to listen to when it's not their turn, right? Um, <laughs> we all know that we've all probably had players who get their phone out when it's not their turn, and then when it's their turn, it's like, oh, sorry, what just happened? Yeah. Um, oh, and what, what am are. I going to do now? Let's see. <laughs> Let's see here. What do I have? Yeah. Um, because it's it is hard to stay focused when you know you've got this these these ta- this tactical combat and um, it, anyway. So for me, it's it definitely games that that have the more narrative uh the faster flowing combat systems um not that every rpg should be about combat of course but when it happens if that slows the game down it's it's usually a a kind of a big uh, red flag um we're running a warhammer fourth edition uh campaign for our for our podcast and i hate it now i i I love the game (laughs) going in we reviewed the game and we really liked it and now i'm just like i would never ever in a million years want to run this game because it's really crunchy as soon as you get into combat it is Worse than D and D, which is saying a lot because I hate D and D. It's like my most hated game. <laughs> I see it up on your shelf there, Andreas. Um, you have been judged. <laughs> yeah, so it, um, this is just the brag, the bragging part. All this good. is the playing part. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh, that's that's the real side over yeah. there. Over yeah. there, yeah. Um, yeah. So for me, like the Year Zero games, they're, because that the, they are a little bit on the tactical side for me. They're they're kind of right on the on the border of being too tactical. Um, depending on your players, but they're saved by the fact that they're that all of the games that they've that Free League make with this system are very gritty. So combat gets resolved very quickly, but you still have the traditional like turns and you're rolling initiative and all that kind of stuff. So yeah, I wouldn't say I would I would agree that the more narrative ones like Power by the Apocalypse or uh, maybe Fate things like that that mm-hmm. are, have a much bigger focus on on the narrative aspect of of role playing are are probably uh, better suited for a an AP a podcast actual play, mm. but yeah. But I, I mean, still hands down, I love the free league games. They're my favorite games, and I would always, if I'm if I'm running something, it's always high on my list, top of my list usually. Um, yeah, mm? Matthew, right. over to you. Right. So I got to I got to lay my cards on the table here. You may have picked up from stuff I've said already that I'm not a massive fan of actual play. And a lot of what you say about combat, um, even short combat from uh, a number of systems, uh, it, to me, it's not great listening. I kind of apologise every time. We, you know, we've done actually some of our most successful podcasts have been uh, combat-heavy games like Alien and um, our Grindbone Challenge from Dragon Meat two Dragon Meats ago, which was all combat, beautifully short combat, as you say, but it was uh, an hour of combat. Um, but I don't, you know, I, I, you know, I, I subscribe, Andreas, I subscribe to your, um, your APs, but they're always on the bottom of my list. There's something to actually listen to. Um, you can't be at the, the top of everyone's APs. lists. <laughs> 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 well, one down from the top, let's be frank. <laughs> um, so, uh, 
yeah, so I'm not a major fan of APs. Uh, I don't really... I mean, we do put out... Between our episodes, we do put out actual play. Uh, but as I said, you know, I don't invest enormous amounts of time in making it good. Mm. I simply uh, edit the long pauses out of... Uh, and mostly the Pringles, although <laughs> I'm just driving myself wild editing a packet of Pringles out of our current uh, uh, Coriolis AP that seems to have got in there. I say seems to have got in there. I brought it into the bloody room. Um, but I don't like AP it's generally and it, I rarely listen to one all the way through I might listen to an episode or two but I don't generally listen to the end of the story except with your cult ones Andreas uh, and also before we started when we were just testing the system out you and I were talking about Legend of the Five Rings and a number of APs of different styles um one shot i really don't like their format at all because it's very heavily produced it's very sort of chicago improv i mean it's great i'm sure for its audience but i'm not its audience but i've listened to their l5r all the way through i've listened to happy jack's l5r that was a, that was two massive campaigns that i listened to all the way through and i think there's something there about that being a game where not so much the mechanics, but the, the setting require that the player characters discuss their motivations and their values and make a decision about what the right thing to do is when there is no right thing to do. Somebody's going to lose out with everything. That sort of discussion is what gets me going. So I guess, yeah, you know, uh, Cult does a little bit the same. Mm. It's about people describing their feelings rather than hitting people over there with a sword. Yeah. Uh, and I think maybe systems that encourage that rather than... Yeah. I mean, we're having a whale of a time playing Forbidden Lands, but I wonder how many people are enjoying listening to it. Mm. It's it's interesting. Like um, our, our Warhammer Fantasy Roleplay podcast is... People are loving it. It's it's getting some of the biggest download numbers we have, but it's anytime there's a combat, it's like half of an entire episode. Mm. Um, like two mm. two and a half yeah. hour episode is is combat and we're trying to do it quick yeah. I don't get it myself like if I was listening to it um, I would I would struggle to to listen to an hour combat in any mm. in any actual play yeah. uh, when we um, talk- Magnus is actually in, in chat has said um, you know um, oh he's just moved up somewhere uh, you, he, he said, listens to mud and blood to learn. He said, "We need a we need a woofrup. We need a woofrup hack of the year zero. And interestingly, <laughs> I have I have started on one. So there you go. I'm on it. There you go. I'm on it. Yeah. In- <laughs> it will be released in 2028. <laughs> yeah, and it's so interesting because, as I said, combat for me it's it's the least th- in most interesting thing for me to listen to when I listen to AP podcasts. And then we were starting Coriolis. I really wanted to uh, get like kind of um in medias res." Uh, Thing going so I was like yeah the ship's under attack and it wasn't until the episode was finished that I was like how stupid can you get <laughs> I mean you, you, you really dislike uh, battles and then you start the first episode of a long campaign with half with an battle. episode <laughs> of space combat which is even less interesting to listen to than ordinary combat. <laughs> How are we ever going to get people to 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 like stick through this this battle until to get to the good parts? And then it's basically like the whole of the campaign is no combat whatsoever, more or less. Uh, yeah. 
So, uh, like, guys, what's in store in the future for your for your podcast? What's what's the upcoming news? What's what's up next? And what's in the long run? What's where do you want to go? What do you want to do? <laughs> I'll go last. You'll okay. Go last. So okay. Matthew, me, and well, then Matt. Then okay. Okay. <laughs> I we've got um, uh, an exciting new episode which we're recording tomorrow, which is going to be looking at the future of Coriolis. Um, we've also got. Uh, I'm really enjoying the uh, current Coriolis AP campaign that's out there, apart from editing out the Pringles. Um, And that, interestingly, you know, there have been two. I'm editing hour eight of this at the moment, and we've had one combat in the first episode that was, with preparatory prayer, prayer, Matt, a... Effectively one shot, um, uh, stab in the eye. It was brilliant. It was, you know, the, the dice rolling was fabulous at the table, but it's great to listen to, too. And then, since then, it has been seven hours of talking. I mean, my, my players procrastinate a lot. Uh, and I'm hoping that guys listening to it, uh, there might be people on here who are listening to it, they go, God, I wish they'd bloody move on and actually do something. <laughs> but they've been talking about what they've been doing for about seven hours. So there's more of that to come, a couple more episodes of that. Uh, We've also got a new alien scenario that Dave has written and we've played uh, set in the UPP. So we had great fun playing socialists in the alien universe. Well, I wasn't a socialist, but you'll discover that. Spoilers! Don't listen to me. I'm a socialist. I'm a a hard-bitten socialist. Um, Yeah. so that's coming up soon, and we've also got some more Forbidden Lands to do as well. And those are all APs. One of the exciting things, though, is this adventure, Song to the Siren, which my players have said is the best thing I've given them. Um, we're going to write that up for the upcoming Free League workshop and publish that. And so I'm looking forward to putting that down on paper and other people being able to make their own take on it. Uh, well, Sweden Rolls, we are actually right now... Yeah, on Monday we will release the season finale of The Bitter Reach, uh, the eight-episode mini-campaign in The Bitter Reach. So the final will come on Monday. And after that, we will finally move on to, to do a Mutant Year Zero uh, game. So we, have, we recorded uh, a few days ago only a, a Mutant Year Zero one-shot with me, Anneli, Matthias and the special guest... Uh, Actress from Stockholm, uh, voice coach. She's uh, Ingla Lund. Great, great. Like she never played RPGs before, but she just went into it like this. It was fabulous. And then we're going to continue with Forbidden Lands, whether it's Bitter Reach or back to to Ravenland. Not quite sure on that yet. I haven't written that. <laughs> I haven't written it yet. Uh, there will be there will be some Alien for sure during 2020. And whether it's a one shot, it will probably be a one shot, but whether it's live on a convention. You promised Thomas. <laughs> exactly. Whether it be live on a convention, we're talking to some conventions. We're going to try and go to, to some conventions and do some live shows. Uh, cool. But more up on that later. Um, yeah. So you want to come to Dragon Meat? We had in our podcast zone, Dragon Meat are really friendly to podcasts. Oh, we really? had loads of space okay, this year. Good. You can have your own studio uh, as long as you bring your own equipment, yeah. that is. 
uh, or borrow <laughs> mine or something. Yeah. But yeah, come to Dragon Week. Do it there. I It'll just realized that UK Game Expo is the same weekend as uh, Comic Con in London. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's uh, a plan okay. or so. Last, last weekend of May, isn't it? Both of them. Is it the London Comic Con? Because yeah. I think there's a Birmingham. Oh, Comic-Con sorry, a Birmingham Comic Con because time. UK Games yeah, is yeah. in London. Sorry, I knew there was in Birmingham, yeah. one in London, but I. I don't know whether it's I got planned, them but up. they do coincide. Yeah, they do. Um, yeah, so so uh, a UK trip in May. I'm trying to work that out. Hoping for it. Us. Hoping for it. So that's uh, yeah, that's basically what's. And me personally, I'm working on on soundtracks for for the Swedish version of Call of Cthulhu, for the official soundtrack to Vazan, and the official soundtrack to Bitter Reach. Excellent. Oh. Matt. <laughs> um, well, my my podcast <laughs> I didn't <blit. laughs> um, Shh, is up. He didn't say it, Liam. Don't worry, you're safe. <laughs> Shh, not Liam. Who's who's that? <laughs> oh sorry. <laughs> um the we're finishing up our Wolf Rup uh campaign. Saying finishing up is gonna go till May, um, or even longer. Um after that, we've started a cult. Um, started a cult actual play, um, mm-hmm. which actually broke our podcast because we ended up doing two two APs at once, as well as weekly content, and we nearly we nearly lost our relationships with our loved ones, and it was just it was just bad all around. We were stressed out. Could we we're missing our deadlines when we wanted to release stuff. So. Um, Cult has we've been recording a lot of cult, but we our first two episodes were a um, a flashback, so that worked quite nicely. Where after the second episode, which we've just aired, um, we're going to take a break from it, and we'll do that one. We'll release that one after Wolf uh, Wolfrop finishes. And generally, starting this year, we're slowing our pace down, so we're only going to be releasing a new episode at once a week. Um, yeah, so alternating a discussion and an actual play episode every every week. Um, However, for my own my own kind of projects, I've got a lot of stuff happening um, this year. Especially, I'm trying to get Nord Saka um, to position to a point where I can get it out and people can start playing it. Um, so that's my that's kind of one of my big pushes. Um, Nord Saga, as I mentioned before, is an alternate setting for Forbidden Lands. Um, I'm also trying to get my Year Zero Mini up to version 1.0, which is basically like a very very rules light it's like one page of rules one page of gm advice one page of character creation and one page of how to tweak a setting so it's like a four page mini game um, that uses the year zero system without any skills so it's just attribute based um and takes a lot of takes a lot of cues from other like very rules light games that don't have tend not to have skilled lists and things like that um so that I want to get that to version 1.0. I want to spin off a lot of stuff based on that. Like I want to do a kids, a year zero kids game, um, which will use Lego figures and probably story dice as as optional props, um, and official stuff, uh, paid paid stuff in the pipeline as well, um, which I'm not sure I'm allowed to talk about. Um, so yeah, and I'm gonna be I'm actually gonna start doing live streaming and YouTube content for my own stuff. Um, so I'm going to be running Forbidden Lands and Bitter Reach, um, two separate campaigns starting next month is the plan, and I'll be um, doing it in a video format mainly because I don't have the time to do any editing afterwards. <laughs> Matt, um, is that going to be on this channel that our listeners it won't be are a, watching us? No, on? no, no. It'll be um, it'll be on my Nine Little Bees um, right. YouTube channel. So people want to if people are interested in that watching me run um, both the the Ravenlands kind of core Forbidden Lands game and Bitter Reach um, 
then check the, the description below, find my Twitter or um, my website. You can sign up for a newsletter at my website. You can follow me on Twitter. And then when I come around to doing that, I'll be posting about it there. And it'll be a different YouTube channel. So mm. anyway, so that's also like mainly because I've our podcast has been so all-encompassing that I haven't, I've, I haven't actually run any campaigns for more than a year. Um, it's been... It's just been really hard to kind of get in the GM seat other than running quick one-shots for pa- our Patreons and stuff. And I kind of miss that. I kind of feel like if I'm if I'm in a podcast where I'm giving GM advice, it'd be good if I was still actively Maybe GMing, GM. right? <laughs> um, I mean, I've GMed a lot anyway, but still, like, I need to be working on those skills. And it's like, yeah, so um, I didn't want to do it through mud and blood. I wanted to have my, my freedom to do kind of whatever I wanted um, with kind of my own handpicked kind of crew of people. So that's why I'm doing it myself. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. So... If that sounds interesting to people, then you can kind of check that out in the future. But this year for me is going to be the year of uh, Forbidden Lands, really. Okay, cool, cool. Yeah. Okay, shall we do some uh, some questions from the uh, from our listeners? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this first question, I don't know, <laughs> but you said they, uh, Matthew that you've had this ongoing discussion in the Effect podcast, so maybe we should. Should it like the uh, who's the best GM? I don't know if you will, we've listened to each other enough to to have an opinion on this at all. But since you had like an ongoing joke uh, discussion on on the effect about this, with Dave, yeah. Uh, so I would actually ask you two who who you thought the best GM was out of me and Dave, but um, you haven't had to experience the terrible nature of Dave's playing so, or GMing, so I won't make you do that. <laughs> I, I'm going to vote for you being best GM because. You did come second in the AP podcast poll. Yeah, I, I've list, I haven't listened enough to 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 have an opinion. I'm I'm sorry, I, I haven't uh, <laughs> because uh, well, well, uh, loaded question. Especially especially with Matthew, as you said, you 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 just record your home games basically, yeah, uh, with Pringles and all, uh, yeah. and that is a well. Gen- we haven't we haven't the first one had the Pringles in. <laughs> We've been off the Pringles ever since okay. this upcoming episode. Okay. I'm, okay. I'm so disappointed. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, yeah, yeah we, we're, we're raw. Yeah. We're but raw I, I prefer, per- personally prefer a bit more produced uh, AP podcasts. Um, so, so I mainly listen to the, to the discussion podcasts from yeah. you guys. Well, that's, that's what we're here for. So that's okay. I don't mind that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but Matt, uh, that was just... Uh, but uh, what 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 do we think about the actual play concept? Um, what is it doing with the hobby as a whole? Have let's see now. I have this feeling that we're living in a historic period. A new art form is manifesting. Never before has so many people been recording and so many listening. Is this from Jun? Maybe I think. How much time have we got? <laughs> we have got. That's a pretty deep. We've got twenty I know, minutes. I, uh, twenty minutes, Max. That's a that's a deep question. Yeah, it um, is. It is. Yeah, I guess for me, yes, it's changed. Things are changing, oh. and some people like it, some people don't. Yeah, um, sure. We're all in the podcast game, so for us, it's kind of a cool thing to be a part mm. of. Um, but yeah, I've I've seen and been involved in a lot of conversations where people don't kind of whether you like it or not. It's a golden age of gaming, and it's yeah. been brought about mostly, I think, by things like Critical Role, mm. yeah. by podcasts mm. like this, by you know. And yeah. frankly, whatever you like, you can find it. There's yeah. some niche out there yeah. where somebody's doing the podcast or the YouTube stream that matches what you want. Yeah. You know, I'm not a fan of D and D. I'm not a fan of Critical Role. Uh, 
but you know, I can find stuff I like, and anybody can. Mm. And I think it's yeah. transform transformed the world of gaming. I think it, mm. yeah, absolutely. It, I mean, there's yeah. no discussion the the impact that AP Podcast has had on on like really making this the new golden age of of role playing games. It's it's really. I mean, you as you said, Matthew, think what you like about it, but it's a fact. It is a fact. I mean, the critical role effect is a thing. Uh, I mean, in Sweden only, we have thousands of new players. Unfortunately, only playing D&D, but we do have a thousand, thousands of new players because of critical role only. And that's, I mean, just that is... that. That says it all. It's it's, uh, but but I think what because I know you has been discussing this uh, a few times, and I think what he's after is like, is AP podcasting something that uh, is changing how RPGs are being written, and I'm I'm not yeah. sure that they actually are that much because uh, many many scenarios are still written with maps of houses and. There are eight rooms in this house, and in this room there's that, in this room there's that. And that's something that... You are finding... Like, that's not interesting. That's not entertaining in an AP podcast format, for me at least. It is It is an actual play video-based one. So if you're doing Roll20 or something and you've got those assets, um, and that's the, other, that's the thing that we are seeing is that um, lots of people are producing those maps as, you know, virtual tabletop-friendly files mm, and things. Yeah, yeah. Um, so certainly, as far as, far as virtual tabletop gaming is concerned, um, I think we definitely are seeing a shift towards support for that. Mm. I wouldn't necessarily say that the design of games has been has really like noticeably shifted to to do that, mm. but we're in the middle of it, so maybe it has. We just haven't been able to see it. Yeah, exactly. um, but yeah, certainly, like support for virtual tabletop gaming is certainly a big thing now. Um, I mean, look at Free League. They've they've they paid to have a an official Simba Room um, Fantasy Grounds, uh, whatever it's called, plugin or whatever. Mm. So you know, I, having ha- I've had conversations with with Tomas and other people in the past in Free League and asked like, are we going to see some some more virtual tabletop support? And and because in Sweden, it's not a big thing. Online gaming is not a very big thing. Um, they don't. You know, Tom, Tomas has said like we haven't really seen a big need for it. If people want to see it, they need to tell us that they mm. want it so that we can start focusing mm. on it. Um, and that's only very, very slowly started started to be seen. So I think it dep- depending on who's asking this question, um, in places like the U.S. and the U.K. Um, or English speaking parts of the world, um, it is a much bigger deal and it's a much bigger focus. Yeah. And of course, a lot of the big gaming publishers are coming out of. Um, mm. Well, of course, I'm going to say that because I'm only reading English games. But um, you know, in terms of market share, you know, Wizards of the Coast and Chaosium, they have, um, and Modifius now, you know, they are, they are the big players, and they there's a lot of there's a lot of support now for for their games in uh, on virtual mm. tabletop. So I think one reason for yeah. for uh, online online gaming uh, TTRPGs in Sweden is isn't a big deal. A big thing is that. It's the 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 um, uh, we have the most uh, RPG players per capita in the world, so yeah. it's not yeah. that hard to find a game like yeah, IRL exactly. game in Sweden exactly. as it is in other yeah. places. I think yeah. that's that's one exactly. one reason for it actually. Sure, 
yeah. And that's and that's cool. Like I'm je I'm really jealous. I live in the countryside in Germany. Um, my German isn't isn't fluent, so I did I have tried playing two. This is actually another one of the questions was about playing in in other games other than your your native. Yeah, language. let's jump to that um, because I've... we were basically done with this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good segue, um, Matt. Great. I've, I've I've not run I've not run anything in German. Um, I my wife is German. I've moved to Germany because of family reasons and. I speak like an intermediate level of German, which is all well and good. I can have a conversation with anybody here as long as it's not about things that have, you know, specialist vocabulary. Yeah. And my God, <laughs> role playing games have a very, very uh, specialist vocabulary. And I like sitting in somebody's in somebody's like flat, listening to them for three hours, describing in great detail a setting. Simbroom was one and like they were going into great detail about the setting. I was like, I don't understand. 10% of the stuff coming out of your mouth right now. Um, and like having to sit there for three hours, like trying to keep up, it was, it was torture. And then I, and then I got dragged into, I kind of got convinced to play in a Das Schwarze Auge game, which um, actually probably is the worst game I've ever experienced. Um, and that was exactly the same. Um, it was a little bit better maybe, um, but it's hard. Mm. Um, I, I guess it helps if you're fluent or if you're a really high level of, um, of, uh, knowledge in a, in a language, but um, yeah, my I, experience has not been great. I have to say, uh, speaking as a son of empire, who um, <laughs> whose idea of speaking to foreigners is just talk lowly and slowly and loudly, um, I am so impressed by the number of gamers around the world who are learning English through things like you know we've had people saying they're learning English listening to our podcast, and you know as you say all those technical terms. Um, We've just started trying to put our podcast up on YouTube simply so we can take advantage of the uh, YouTube oh, automatic subtitles. Um, subtitles. Yeah, we've had some yeah. requests and, you know, for YouTube that as well. It really mm. struggles with, with some yeah. of the words we're oh, yeah. using. Mm. And so I really admire uh, everybody, the Swedes, the Germans, the Dutch, uh, all those people who are, even as we speak, struggling to learn Alien in English because that's the only way they're going to get to play the game. So... Uh, kudos to everybody around the world for whom English is your second language for everything you do in terms of joining us on their forums and their community in general. Yeah. Mm. I think the, the question was asked also in the uh, angle of like um, the question was you all like Swedish role-playing games and they're mostly leaning to lighter rules compared to standard, that is D&D. What is the appeal of the Swedish RPGs from a non-Swede point of view? <laughs> so I, I, I'll leave that to you. <laughs> yeah, I don't know whether there's anything that I've thought is particularly Swedish. I mean, you know, Coriolis was my first Swedish RPG. Mm. Um, I haven't looked at anything else like Trudvang Chronicles. Um, I've kickstarted Western, but you know it's going to take a little while to deliver. Yeah. Um, I'm probably <laughs> going to go for Helmgast's Troubleshooters, but you know that, that's interesting. That's a Swedish game that's uh, got a very Belgian aesthetic, mm. so I'm not sure what I'm going to get that being particularly Swedish. Mm. It doesn't strike me that there's a Swedish style, mm. like in LARP. Mm. I, you know, I in, uh, in one very quickly learned of Nordic LARP. And I think there probably is a Swedish style to, or a Nordic style to, uh, to live action role play. But in in these rule sets, I, I don't particularly see them being particularly Swedish. No, because the the the, the 
the Draken and the Mourner, which was the big game in the 80s, which, which outsold every other game except D&D in the 80s. That was based on the Chaosium uh, BRP. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, yeah. and I mean, we can't claim that to be Swedish, of course. Yeah. It's just that they, they, after a while, after a version or two, they swapped it from being D100 to being D20, but mm-hmm. the reverse from D&D. So you wanted to roll low instead of high, you know. Yeah, yep. like Chaosium's Pendragon's the same though with the D20. Okay, so okay. Don't know which of those came first. Okay. <laughs> um, I, th- I agree with Matthew. I, I don't. I like a lot of the games coming out of Sweden, but I don't necessarily see a correlation that I could say, like, this element is what makes up a Swedish RPG. Um, I don't like D&D. Um, I, I strongly dislike D&D, mainly because I've played more of it than any other game. My home group, when I got back into role-playing, was a D&D group, and... We played fourth edition is when we was when I joined it. It was the new the new hot thing. Um, I hated every minute of it, but I really loved my group. I loved the people. We became really good friends. Um, and then when fifth edition came out, um, I was starting to. That was kind of around the time. Um, well, when we when we moved to fifth edition, it was kind of roughly around the time that Mutant Year Zero came out, and that's when I started thinking like, okay, here's some other games out there. We need it like trying to break my group away from D and D. So for me, I've got there's a lot of baggage there. I'm not a big fan of it, and the Swedish games that we've been seeing are have just great rules that aren't you know married to the D and D like the D twenty. We don't see we don't necessarily see classes like we do in D and D. The combat is a little bit kind of feels maybe a little bit like it's borrowing from the kind of more traditional rule sets and stuff. Mm. But that's kind of that's kind of it. Mm. Um, so I like lots of other games too that aren't um, you know that aren't Swedish. So mm. Like Delta Green, one of my top, probably my top three Delta is uh, games is Delta Green, mm. which is absolutely excellent. Um, probably the best horror game I've ever I've ever run or played, and I haven't done much of it. I would love to do more. Um, you know, that's an American game mm. based on like a streamlined Call of Cthulhu, but it's it's excellent. Um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, I was thinking maybe one more question before we take a question from the live audience, and this is maybe a too big of a question but we can try because i don't have much opinions on this maybe you guys have i know i know matt has but we should do one at least one question from the discord uh, year zero as well so i'm thinking about the third sure. uh, the first one about uh, the open game game license oh yeah what that can mean for both new games and current content for current games um actually we can put a a link to the ogl maybe um because Having spoken to Tom, um, Tomas about this, they were okay with um, the OGL being shared, mm. um, like when on our podcast and things, when we're talking about it, because you know it's limited distribution. Mm. Um, but they're not going to be releasing it themselves until um, uh, I guess all the, all the all the boxes are ticked. <laughs> okay, um, so we'll put a link to where you can see the OGL. It's it's finished. It's written. It's in. Um, google drive as a as a as a document and people can create their own content for it the marketplace on drive through rpg is, is coming very very soon um i hadn't heard the 6th of february date but that sounds sounds probably about right um it's it's coming and there are there are people already creating stuff i've created stuff with it um other people especially on the discord there's a lot of chats are going on with people who are working on projects for it um so i'm really excited to see what's coming out of it um the question is, you know, what can it mean for both new games and content for current games? We're already seeing a lot of people talking about creating content for older games. I've got, for example, a phrase book for Coriolis, uh, which I'd like to put out out for that, um, which 
you know, it was a, a kind of a one-page list of terms, um, also based on my experiences of living out in Pakistan with trying to um, insert some realistic uh, kind of Arabic-based languages or Persian-based languages. That would be um, great. That, you know, would be that are great. easy yeah. for a, easy for a Western tongue to, to kind of get their mm. mouth around. Because um, what I first saw was um, somebody created a glossary and they were using Arabic words exactly from Arabic. And, you know, they're doing like a direct translation. This is the Arabic word and this is the English word. And it's like, yeah, but that's really hard to say for an English speaker. I can say it because I can speak the languages, but I also know that that's, you know, <clears throat> not easy. So for me, it's kind of like, let's look at some other terms that kind of mean the same thing, but are easier <clears throat> to pronounce. Let's turn it into a pidgin language. So it's mash like Hindi yeah. and <clears throat> Farsi and Arabic and Urdu and all these languages and mash them together pick the word that sounds the best to like is easiest to say from a western okay, so mouth you which picked, like okay this one is kind of a, you could say that's there. appropriation a yeah. little bit maybe but really i'm just thinking about like you know making it easier i like to me when i hear people speaking arabic like um you know like an english mouth speaking arabic when they're just reading the word it like makes me cringe because i know how it should mm. be said um but i also speak a few languages so it's maybe i'm a little bit snobbish about it uh, but that was my big point was like i wanted to create this thing anyway i'm i'm really plugging my thing yeah. i love your list though i <laughs> yeah, you, the list you, looking forward you put to that, that before yeah. on the forums and i've downloaded it um I, we don't actually feature it much in coriolis because i always forget to share it with my players mm. but i'd like to do that it's like um belter on on in the expanse yeah, uh, yeah, and I'd love to fit it in there. What are your thoughts about? But the, yeah, I think that the point is that there's lots of there's lots of people creating little things like this, and we'll see probably some free stuff coming out. We'll see some paid stuff mm. coming out. Um, I've I've heard people making um, new starship um, like uh, designs for Alien, for example. Mm. So there's just like, I think we're gonna see as soon as it goes live. Um, I'm hoping we're gonna see instantly a, a bunch of new stuff, um, you know, over at Drive Through RPG, and hopefully that that will continue to kind of. Just one Keep extra uh, caveat. Sorry, Andreas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not sure that Alien is going to be included in the Free League Workshop um, okay. storefront. That was just somebody yeah. in Discord saying that they'd created something and they wanted it to be there. Yeah. So maybe they, it won't happen. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that might yeah. not. That might, yeah, I, it did yeah. just strike me when I said it as well that there might be licensing issues. Do you issues have any there. opinions yeah. on the OGL, yeah. Matthew? Uh, it's a good thing. It was my idea. I just want to get that home to everybody across <laughs> here. When the first really Kickstarter was going on and, you know, they'd, they'd gone through their first load of stretch goals, I was the one that said, how about an OGL? And I've got the proof, photographic proof, if you want to see it. <laughs> no, so, I, I believe so you. So it's my idea. I believe you. I get all the credit, guys. You. I want, you know. But, but none of the money. But yeah, well, 10% of uh, 10% cut of everything you produce, Matt, obviously. But, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. really? <laughs> uh, yeah, so I'm all for it. Um, it doesn't, you know, and, you know, I've mentioned before, Dave and I are working on a Western game. You know, I'm not going to make my fortune doing a Western game in, which is a genre not everybody likes to play, and I haven't even got monsters in it, and um, and it's in a, you know, it's in the system. But it's, we could just see how this system could t- turn itself mm. into mm. that, and I wanted to give it a go. We'll play it around our table. I hope a few other people play it as well. But I think the real bonus will be in fan produced content and yeah you know it's important that the, you know the history of Coriolis has been about fan produced content that free league themselves started off as fan creators before professionalizing um chaosium has just released uh, the Johnstown compendium which is their version for runequest content and there's some really good stuff on there because there have been fans that, that have been producing this for 40 years and so I'd really like to see that sort of stuff happen. You know, semi-pro 
really talented creators producing great stuff that the main companies haven't got the time to do. Mm. So I'm all for it. Great. Yep. Matt, yeah, do, we do have time for one or two uh, live viewer questions, don't we? Yeah, let me just quickly say, somebody was asking if we could share that the link for that OGL. If people are watching this um, after the event, which I guess a lot of people yeah. will be, um, oh, I've just a put a link to it in the chat. So that should be somewhere on the side while you're watching this um, anyway, if you want to go visit that. Um, anyway. Right. Um, yeah, so if it, I'm, I'm looking at the chat right now. If, if anybody in chat, if you have any questions that you want us to um, to have a quick chat about, we've got a few minutes still um, before we hit our minutes. one and a half hour three minutes. our one and a half hour hard target. And I'm going to be hitting the end stream button exactly on <laughs> <laughs> the one I won't. On I one think hour, we can do uh, nine minutes, three Mark. minutes if if we find an interesting question. <laughs> I mean, we don't have we have six do. minutes then. <laughs> So we've got one that's come up very quickly um, from Jens Greyhead. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Sorry, there's an A with a circle above it. Um, uh, grå. Uh, ah, gråd. Gråhed. What's the lowest common denominator, in your opinion, for the year zero rules? Uh, I'm struggling to understand quite what Jens means, but I think, if you like, the... the, the the thing that makes year zero year zero and is a common denominator but also a differentiator is the push mechanic. So mm. everything rely, re, relies on pushing dice and what's different is the cost. So mm. that's what I'm saying. Hopefully that's the answer that Jens was looking yeah. for. And the, uh, the um, attribute, uh, skill, dice pool. Those two would for me be the... Like, without... Yeah any of those it wouldn't feel like a year zero engine game uh, but as uh, that those two are the only things you need apart from that you can do I, whatever you want it will still feel like a year zero engine game for for me the the big thing is because you, you get push mechanics in other games um you get attributes plus skills equaling a um a dice pool for example the genesis uh rebirth mm. um rebirth um another game Shadowrun does the same thing um, for me, it's the D6 dice pool that sixes equal success, and you don't need anything else. There aren't target numbers where you're rolling a four, five, mm. or six, and you need a target number. For me, that's that's the big thing about, mm. about year zero. You're, you only need a single six, six on that dice, and that means I can play I can play a modified version of the year zero engine that, can't, that does or doesn't have a push mechanic mm. with my four-year-old son mm. because he knows that rolling a six on a dice is a mm. good thing. And everything else is is kind of mm. gravy. He'll have it. He'll have attributes mm. with like um, strong, fast, clever, and friendly mm. or something, and numbers assigned to them. That's how many dice you pick up, and you just need a six to succeed. And for me, um, yeah, p the push mechanic is definitely core to it. There's a whole like you could probably we could probably come up with a list of like four or five things core to the year zero system that if you don't have them, yeah. it's arguably not year zero. Like rolling a me, one on that, a push roll as well. Like you can. I, but that's not that's not a thing in in um, Coriolis. That's not a thing in Tales from the Loop. No, of course. So that's that rolling a one is only of in course. Forbidden Lands and Mutant Year Zero. Yeah, you're right. Um, so it's it really is like in all the games, it's a six. You need a six to succeed. I'm and quite proud. It, it took ninety minutes for you guys to like. I was thinking oh, it's, it'll take five minutes until I get a slap on the wrist by you guys. Like no, that's not yeah. how that works. <laughs> I almost made it through the entire episode <laughs> <laughs> because I'm not the rules expert at all. You guys know so much more about the rules than than I do. It's uh, yeah, I almost made it. 
That's because we're Capricorns. <laughs> do we have time? We can do one more, can't we? Did, did we get one more? Anyway. It's 10 o'clock. It's gone 10 o'clock. It's a minute past 10. Okay, I want to reward the, the live viewers. One more. One last one. I'm just looking. Um, Matthew, when's the next Total packet? T-O-T-O-W. So that is Tales of the Old West and our our high-ranking patrons uh, are getting a regular package. And to be honest, um, Andy, I can see that's you that say that. You'll know that we've been producing a whole bunch of alien stuff. So Toto's had to take a bit of a backseat. Dave is playtesting alien stuff now rather than uh, uh, Tales of the Old West. So we will get back to it. Um, uh, Some stuff needs to be written up, but there will be a new one quite soon. Great. Any other questions? This now's your last chance. Something quick. Yeah, we have fifty we'll seconds. Give it, we'll give it a pause because there's like a five. There's like a five to ten second delay. We are meant to sing to you, Andreas. Uh, somebody said, "Has anybody sung to Andreas yet?" Some while no, ago. No, they were asking if they'd sung to me. Because yesterday was my birthday. Oh, your birthday! But I was saying, but it was your yes. birthday the day before yeah. mine. So Andreas should really sing to both yeah. of us. Yeah. Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Happy birthday. <laughs> right, Magnusita asks, do. when is the next round table? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Um, I think this has gone quite well. So I think, yeah. are we saying there is going to be another one? Because this was just yeah, an experiment sure. for us. Yeah, we didn't know that was going to be. There was going to. This is going to be a, like a one, one-time thing. But uh, I've had all the fun. And well, if I did the listeners, put, I did put number one in YouTube. I did. I put Year Zero Roundtable number you? one. So I was uh, already thinking, <laughs> oh, this is. There's going to be more. Yeah, than we one. got more than one listener that that actually just when I asked for <laughs> questions, they were like, "Let's talk more play." They they thought we we should do a an AP, but. Uh, I don't know. Maybe this is what we do best. Us three. Um, I was thinking we could potentially do like once a quarter, once a month, something like that. Um, this is just like a little extra thing. The the overlay, the like the graphical bits that you're, everyone's seeing here, that's all set up. I can I can run that again mm. um, really quickly. So there's no editing for this really afterwards. So compared to a podcast, like uh, the podcast that we all run, um, this is really low maintenance. Mm. Um but we're all busy. We're all doing other mm. stuff. So we'll have a talk about it behind yeah. the scenes and, and talk about like when we. Can but it sounds like it, it sounds like we can promise that there will be at least one more roundtable. Yeah, 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 sure. And we we have talked about actually running a game, but um, like a kind of cross podcast game. But I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure whether like one of us would have to would have to you know commit to the time to run one. Mm. I I I can't do that. Mm. I did talk about it initially, but um, I thought about it realistically afterwards. I don't think that's yeah. going to happen. Maybe in the future. Never say never. Maybe but this will probably be a roundtable for for now, right? Yeah. 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 I'd like Especially to say we're not going to do it until I've finished my bloody PhD, which I should have finished last mm. year. But um. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah, that sounds a bit more. Having important. said that, maybe it's time to wrap it up and say thank you to all the viewers who listen, who watched us live, and thank you to upcoming podcast listeners and upcoming YouTube viewers. Right? Yeah, yeah. Thank you yeah. all for joining us, and uh, we'll be back. <laughs> we will. keep praying to the icons <laughs> sometime. <laughs>
push that roll. Oh, it's my shirt. My shirt says that very thing. <laughs> that was that was a setup. <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everyone. And uh, yeah, if you want to get in touch with us, check the description for links for um, Twitter and websites and stuff. And uh, yeah, we'll hopefully see your messages and get back to you. <laughs> Cheers. Bye. Catch you next time.